Amen. Good morning, Christ. I hope you are well. I want to welcome those who are watching at home. Thanks so much for joining us this morning. Uh, you may have noticed that there's a certain segment of our population that is not here. Uh, this morning we have 41 uh, students away at camp. Uh, we have 15 adult volunteers uh, pouring into them. Uh, if you would be praying for them as they finish up this morning and as they travel back uh, later this afternoon and this evening, uh, God in his providence for whatever reason uh, oftentimes sees fit uh, to change our hearts and our lives in a moment. Right there, I think at the end of our life, most of our days, the vast majority of them are quickly forgotten. Uh, but for whatever reason, God in his goodness uh, causes us to remember maybe just a handful of times where uh, God spoke to us in a significant way. And so my hope and prayer for our students, I have two of them there, uh, is that, that God by his spirit would speak to them uh, this weekend and that their lives would be changed uh, forever. And so be praying along those lines as they, as they head back. Uh, this morning we get the great joy and privilege to continue our series uh, in the book of Matthew. We're walking through the Sermon on the Mount uh, and so if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, uh, Matthew chapter 7, and I want to read uh, verses 1 through 6, Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 6. Uh, Jesus speaks to the gathered crowd and says to them, judge not uh, that you be not judged. Uh, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Uh, why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, if you would, please bow with me uh, for a word of prayer. God, our hope in prayer this morning is that you would uh, speak to us through and by your word. I uh, thank you for these words that uh, form and shape us. There are times, admittedly, uh, when your word uh, feels as if it uh, lands hard on our hearts. We, uh, we feel the weight of them. And I believe that you do that because you don't want us to stay the same. You want to form and shape us. And so I pray that you would do that now. Uh, God, we love you. We thank you for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Uh, amen. Well, I have to tell you, I was, I was excited about this passage uh, this week uh, because there is nothing, nothing uh, that, that I, I can't dislike more uh, than judgy people. I'm not a fan. I'm not a, I'm not a fan of judgy people. People who want to get all up in your business and tell you what you should and should not do. I cannot stand, I can't stand judgy people. And liberals. I don't, I don't like liberals, left-leaning, left-leaning folks, granola, tree-huggers, anti-capitalist, socialist. That's what they are. I can't stand liberals and judgy people. I don't, I don't like judgy people or liberals. And Trumpsters kind of 
trying to drive me nuts too, right? The whole love for country, flag-waving, gun-toting, pickup truck-driving, anti-vaxxers. Please. I'm not saying they hate the world. I'm just saying they're unloving. I don't like Trumpsters. And judgy people. I don't like judgy people either. And don't get me started on independence. Oh, please. Fence-sitters, wishy-washy, tossed in the wind, can't make a decision. I got some advice for you. Pick a side. Pick a side. I don't like them. Don't like them at all. And judgy people. I don't like judgy people either. Judge not that you uh, be not judged. Have you ever judged anyone before? I have. I have. I don't know if this is the most often quoted verse in all of the Bible, uh, but it's near the top. Uh, people, people love uh, this, this verse. They, they, they love saying things like, don't judge me. Maybe you hear that this morning and you think to yourself, well, wait, wait a second. I mean, there's, I mean, there's times when it's appropriate to judge, isn't it? Isn't there times when it's appropriate to judge? Isn't it, isn't it true that there are times for us to kind of survey the land or maybe look at someone's life and, and speak into it, make a judgment call about how or what someone is doing, how are they living? I mean, certainly there are texts in the Bible where people are making judgment calls. Jesus himself in verse 6, I don't know if you caught it, but he seemed to allude to the fact that some people are dogs and pigs. Seems like a judgment call to me. A few verses later, Jesus warns his followers about false prophets. Watch out for the prophets, he said. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Jesus seems to make a judgment call there. The Apostle Paul calls the church in his writings to hand over a promiscuous man, to Satan, demanding that the church discipline him. I mean, that's a, that's a judgment call, isn't it? John, in his writings, says, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into uh, the world. All that to say, there are times in the Bible when God's people are, are clearly to make judgment calls. But making judgment calls is not welcomed in our society today. Do you ever wonder why? I think there are two reasons. One is because I think as a people we love autonomy. right? It's kind of like, hey, <laughs> keep your distance. I sort of want to call the shots for my life. I want to determine what I do and what I don't do. And when, when someone else presses into my life and gets up in my grill, 
Stand down, mister. Mind your own business. We love our autonomy. And as a culture, it's not true of everyone, but as a culture, uh, we deny absolute truth. We, we, we deny absolute truth. So, so don't come with me uh, with, with your moralism, what you think is true, because I see it differently. Right? And because I see it differently, I'll pursue the relationships that I want, I'll spend what I want, I'll love who I want, and I'll live how I want. Might be true for you, but it's not true for me. As a people, we love autonomy uh, and, and we reject absolute truth. And be, because we do, um, the, the phrase, don't judge me, uh, becomes our anthem and our song. Author Jonathan Grant uh, summed up the shift that has taken place in our culture from being a people who live under authority to instead being driven by what we define as authenticity. Like the, the greatest thing in the world is to be authentic, to be your true self, to pursue and chase after what you want. Listen to what Jonathan Grant writes. He says, Modern authenticity encourages us to create our own beliefs in morality the only rule being that they must resonate with who we feel we really are. The worst thing that we can do is conform to some moral code that is imposed on us from, uh, from outside by society, our parents, the church, or whoever else. It is deemed to be self-evident that any such imposition would undermine our unique identity. The authentic self believes that personal meaning must be found within ourselves or must resonate with our one-of-a-kind personality. Right? In, other, in other words, self, what we want, what we desire, what we long for, is God. That's ultimate in our lives. Not, not some authority, not some God, not some book, that God has given to us. And because of that, what happens when people are caught is they push back immediately with the phrase, hey, don't judge me. And so a politician is caught up in some scandal, a businessman or a businesswoman or a community leader finds himself or herself caught in the weeds and every day, Joe or Jane makes decisions that cause family and friends to question his or her actions. And his or her, our response is, hey, don't judge me. When Jesus tells the crowd, judge not, lest you be judged, um, Jesus is not talking about a sort of brash individualism that frees us up to essentially live and do whatever we want to do without someone pressing into our lives. That's, that's not what Jesus is talking about. What is Jesus talking about? If he's not talking about that, what does this mean? Because there's five verses where Jesus is speaking to the crowds and saying to them, hey, don't, don't do that. I don't do that. So what does Jesus mean? What does the word judge mean? Well, to, to judge at its core simply means to decide, to evaluate, and to decide. We do this all of the time, right? With, with basic things, things that are seemingly 
uh, insignificant. Coke or Pepsi? How many, how many for Coke? Real quick. All right, we have some, how many for Pepsi? What is wrong with you? Good night. Cats or dogs? How many, how many cat lovers here this morning? I hope both of you feel good about yourself. No, there's a few. There's a handful. Dogs. How many people love dogs? Oh, right. How many people think people don't need animals? Show of hands. Thank you. I tell people all the time, I love other people's pets. That's me. Ketchup on hot dogs or only mustard? How many ketchups on hot dogs? Is that okay? Okay, handful. How many people are like, they're purists. They're like, only mustard. There's a couple. There's a couple. There's a couple. Only mustards. I see you. I see that hand. UNC or Duke? How many people like UNC? Whoa, struck a chord. How many people like Duke? All right, the correct answer was Michigan. The correct answer was Michigan. It's a trick question. Hey, we make decisions all the time. All the time. We're, we're deciding things. We're looking at two things. We're kind of weighing the pros and cons, and we're going, I like that. I don't, I don't like that. Right? We, we make a, a judgment call. Other times, judgment doesn't simply mean to look at something and, and make a decision. It could be a group of people who have been gathered and they've been given the task of making a decision, uh, maybe in a, uh, not in an official manner, uh, or it could be in an official manner. Like you could think of a judge as someone who wears the robe, has the gavel, uh, they're weighing the law, and they're trying to tell people, hey, this is how this should go, or this is how this shouldn't go. Like that's, that's their, their job. They're making a determination. So what is, what is Jesus warning us against? Because he says in verse 1, Judge not that you be not judged, for with the same judgment you pronounce, uh, you will be judged, and with the same measure that you use, it will be measured uh, to you. And so Jesus is telling his followers there's a fair way uh, to judge, and there's a way that, that we shouldn't judge. Um, theologians will say that this could mean a couple of different things. It could mean that the way that you judge someone with that same measure, it will be um, used like against you. Like if, you, if the bar is set really high for you with others, hey, guess what? Others are going to set the bar high. Uh, for you too. It could, it could mean that, or it just means the measure we use on others will be the measure God himself uh, will use on us. And so what is, what is Jesus, again, uh, calling us to avoid? Three, three observations, uh, three words of caution uh, as we apply this passage to our lives. Uh, first, when it comes uh, to, to making a judgment, uh, be careful when judging motives that you don't know. Be careful when judging motives uh, that you don't know. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5, Therefore do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes. Who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart? Then each one will receive his commendation uh, from the Lord. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 2, All the ways of a person are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord is the one who evaluates motives. <clears throat> Have you ever judged anyone's motives before? Man, I, I have. I've, n- not only their actions... Not only their words, but their motive behind it all. 
because I think I know. I've been given special knowledge. And so when that person says that, I know what they really mean. When they do that, I know why they did that. You can't pull a fast one on me. We judge people's motives. We, we, we do it sometimes a lot. But we don't, we don't know their motives. Who's, whose motives do you know? Who, whose heart? Whose heart do you know? All the ways of a person are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord is the one who evaluates the motives. Right? That's, that's God's job, not ours. But we do this. I was, I was laughing. I, I thought about this the other day. Um, here, here's an example. Right? You, you tell the person you love, you look nice today. That could mean, that could mean, you look nice today. Right? We've, we've said this before. You can hear those words and you can say, well, thank you. Thank you for noticing. Or, you can hear those words and you can read, you look nice today. Yesterday. Yesterday was not a good day for you. Not a good day. And last Tuesday, when you wore the sweatpants with a hooded sweatshirt with a coffee stain on it, not your best look. Not your... But you look nice today. Judging is hearing and assuming, implying, concluding that you know what the other person means. When maybe, just maybe, we don't know what the other person means. As I think about that in my own life, I... I ask myself the question, James, do you, do you give people the benefit of the doubt? Do, do you have a tendency to think the best and to give them the benefit of the doubt? Or do you operate in such a way where you are the judge and the jury and the executioner with someone's motives? Uh, be careful uh, when you judge motives that you do not know. With the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured uh, to you. Secondly, be careful to assume uh, that it's you and God, it's us, against someone else. Like you've made the determination, you know, and you know God is on your side. It's the two of us against you. James chapter 4, verse 11. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are a doer of the law. You are, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, and he is able to save and destroy but who are you to judge your neighbor? Uh, one of the tendencies that we can have when we've made a judgment call is to rally the troops. And, and when I say rally the troops, what I mean by that is we operate in such a way 
that like me and God have figured it out and you're over there. You're essentially on the wrong side. Uh, when I was a little kid, I, I, I grew up in the church. My parents took me to church when I was a little guy and we sang this, this song. It, it, it's called, Whose Side Are You Leaning On? You remember the song, Whose Side Are You Leaning On? Like leaning on the Lord's side. Whose side are you leaning on? I'm leaning on the Lord's side. You know, I lean, I lean, I lean, I lean, lean. And then it just goes, I'm lean, I lean, I lean, leaning on the Lord's side. And then, and then you just throw stuff out, you know, like, like whose side are you shouting on? Shouting on the Lord's side. You guys know the song? I'm surprised they haven't asked me to lead worship. I mean, I'm, I'm killing it up here. Uh, we, we operate... We, we operate in such a way that we sort of assume that we're leaning on God's side. He's on my side. I'm on his side. I don't know what side you're on, but he's leaning on my side. Do you see how quickly that can change the dynamic? Now, when, it, when it's you and God against him or her or them, it's not a great place to be. We can, we can be, be blinded uh, to reality because we've told ourselves, we've bought a, a bill of goods that, that may or may not be true or accurate. Be careful to assume that it's you and God Versus them. Third, be careful when you're quick to notice someone else's issues without recognizing your own. Be, be careful when you're quick to notice someone else's issues without recognizing your own. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I mean, you see this picture, right? This is, this is humorous. I thought about this. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your own eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. What's crazy when you read this is there's actually a speck in your brother's eye. It's not as if this person has misdiagnosed the problem. Like, that person, him, her, whomever, they have a speck in their eye. There's a legitimate concern, character fault, deficiency, sin. Like, it's, 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 a, it's a speck. It's there. 
But, but Jesus is saying, if you are quick to point out the speck in their eye, and you don't see the log in your own eye, that's a problem. Uh, last week I came downstairs in the morning and I saw something that I typically do not see. Uh, it's, it's rare, and I mean rare, in our household uh, for anything belonging to Melissa to be left out. Uh, she, she is a big proponent of, of don't put it down, put it away. Uh, but one or two times every year, she'll slip up. And I caught her, I caught her earlier this week when I went downstairs and I saw her slippers on the bottom of the steps. Ah, those are a hazard. I mean, if one of the kids tripped on one of those and got hurt, or worse, if I did, that would not have been good. And so I thought to myself, Melissa, this is not where they belong. This is not your slipper home. Your slipper home is in our closet upstairs, not on the, not on the bottom of the steps. Why would you do that? And then I looked up. We have three, three bar stools in our, in our kitchen, a little, little bar where we can eat, where the kids eat. And I noticed my Detroit Tiger hat was strategically placed on one of the chairs. Why? I have no idea. That's where I put it. And then I looked up and I saw a book that was mine that I wasn't reading, that I had strategically placed on the coffee table, which is technically not where it's supposed to go. And I looked over my left shoulder, and on an end table uh, was my toiletry bag. We call it a man bag at the house, that I had taken from upstairs to downstairs, but it never made its way back upstairs. It just was sitting there next to my glasses and about three pairs of shoes. Melissa, that's not where your slippers go, sweetie. It's dangerous. Right? You need to care more about, like... How crazy is that? How many times as parents have we said to our kids or about our kids of how much time they spend on their devices? Have you done this before? I've done it before. I've, I've told my kids... Countless times, you spend way too much time on, on your phone. You're, you're literally wasting your life away. And I tell them, there are, there are multiple studies, multiple... Well, that's neat. These people that I went to college with went on vacation last week. I haven't talked to them in 27 years, but that's... Huh. Interesting. So I was telling my kids that they spend way too much time on, on their phone. Right? They're, they're distracted. They're distracted. And they, they're always on them. They're not paying attention. I, I don't... I, I mean, they're going to have to answer for how they spent their time. Did you guys get the Wordle yesterday? Did you figure out the Wordle? It was a, t- it was a tough one. Did you end up getting it? Epoxy. Epoxy. I, it took me, it took me three, three turns, but I cheated. I, I don't know why. I just did. I did a little research. I was stumped. And... So, like I've done this before. I tell my, my kids that they spend too much time on electronics while holding my phone. 
I tell them to control their emotions by raising my voice. And it's not that it's not an issue. There's a speck. But there's also a log. Right? And what the temptation can be for us, I think for all of us, is to explain away what we do and make judgment calls on someone else for what they do. I heard a pastor this last week refer to this as fundamental attribution error. It's a term that psychologists use, fundamental attribution error. What it is is I ascribe to other people certain character issues, but when I do the same thing, there's, there's good reasons for it. Right? When I miss a meeting or I'm late for a meeting, it's because of extenuating circumstances. When you're late for a meeting, you're unreliable, you're selfish, you're self-absorbed, you're non-committal, and you're likely not very good at your job. When I talk about another person behind their back, I'm, just, I'm sharing my heart, I'm being honest, I'm telling it like it is. When you do it, you're a gossip. You're a busybody. You're a slanderer who can't keep your thoughts to yourself. When I skip church, I'm using my Christian freedom. I'm not a legalist. When you skip church, you're unreliable. You're on the fence with faith. And you're likely not a Christian. Maybe not a good one. If if it's me, there's an explanation or a good excuse. If it's someone else, man, look out. So how, how do you know, how do we know if we're doing this? I read that and I think, of like, I'm like, okay, Lord, is, <laughs> do, do work in my heart. How do I know if I'm doing this? I, I thought... How many times, James, do you find yourself saying things like, I was wrong, I'm sorry, please forgive me, I didn't know that. How many, how many times do you find yourself saying those things? Not, not the other person that you might have in mind right now who you want to hear this message, but how many times um, do you find yourself saying those things? I was wrong. Forgive me. I'm sorry. Uh, Be careful when you're quick to notice someone else's issues uh, without recognizing your own. Jesus continues with a verse that quite honestly is pretty challenging. He says in verse 6, Do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What does this mean? It seems like Jesus has just called people, or some people, dogs and pigs. This is a tricky verse. On one hand, it could mean that Jesus um, is telling the crowds, you have something incredibly valuable, the gospel. Don't don't waste it on, on people who are unwilling to listen, who have no appreciation for it. This idea in some ways is found in Matthew 15:14 when Jesus speaks of the Pharisees and says, "Leave them. They are blind guides. If a blind man leads a blind man, both will fall into a pit." Just 
Let them be. They don't, they don't care. So quit chasing after them. He, he is saying essentially don't give what is good and holy to someone who is not going to appreciate it. Don't give a filet mignon cooked medium, maybe medium rare, to your pet. Like your dog's not going to appreciate it. Like save it for someone who will savor it. It could mean that or it could be just used in a general sense uh, to imply that we uh, should use wisdom as we navigate through conversations with people when we have to apply these principles of not being judgmental. But I, I lean toward option two. It's not a hill I'm going to die on. But I think Jesus is connecting these thoughts of like, there's a way that I want you to operate with people and not being judgmental. However, there's going to be times where you have challenging and difficult conversations. Jesus isn't making the case that you should never have a hard conversation with someone. Like we have to. We have to have difficult conversations. Grace and truth. We say hard things. That's what the people of God do. But, but Jesus is making an argument that we should use discernment and wisdom when we do it. Right? Oftentimes these conversations are had in the context of relationships. We know someone and they know us. There's an established relationship there. So we've given someone else the freedom and they've given us the freedom to speak into their lives. You, you use wisdom in doing that. Don't, don't give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. In other words, like if they're not going to appreciate it, um, be, be cautious. Use Wisdom. So listen, Jesus gives us this call to, uh, to do not judge. He explains to us uh, what it means. And so I just want to ask the question uh, this morning, uh, what if? What if? What if we, what if Christ Point Church were people who gave people the benefit of the doubt? Like we're, we're just going to think what's best. We're going to give people uh, the benefit of the doubt in our conversations. What if? We were a people who thought the best about people before jumping to conclusions. What if? What if we operated that way? What if we were just as passionate about pointing out and addressing our flaws that we see in the mirror before we point out the flaws in other people? What if? What if we didn't talk about people, but we talked to people? What if we didn't avoid difficult conversations, but use great wisdom in having them in the context of loving relationships? What if? What if? If we were, as a people, if we were to live that way, that would be a compelling community. That would be a God-honoring, Christ-exalting community. That would be the kind of community that, that welcomes people uh, in and loves people uh, well. Uh, by God's grace, by God's grace, uh, may it be so. May it be so. Would you pray with me? Uh, Lord, we want that in our hearts and in our lives. We want to be... Um, 
the, the kind of people who hear your words and by the power of your spirit apply them uh, to our lives. And we need your help to do that uh, because we have, we have blind spots. I have blind spots. There's things in my heart and in my life that I do not see. And that is true of all of us. And so, Lord, help us to see. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive. Help us to be a people who wisely navigate through messy and difficult relationships, actually applying these words to our hearts and to our lives. We ask for your help in doing that. We're so desperate for it. God, we love you. We thank you so much for loving us first. We pray these things in Jesus' name and by your spirit. Amen.